0: Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for tips, tricks, and tales from interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer our listener question at the end of each show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at ballarddesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. Now, on with the show. Our guest today is interior designer, Justin Q. Williams. Of course, he's an interior designer, but he's also an artist. Designs Furniture, was on HGTV's hit show, Design Star Next Gen. He's a social media influencer in the design space, and he was on an upcoming episode of our TV show, Design School. So, Justin, welcome to the show. Thank you you so
2: much for having me. This is so exciting, and I have been anticipating talking to you guys today.
0: Well, we got to spend lots of time together during the show, and yes. I, I very rarely have the treat of getting to tour one of the guests on our podcast spaces before interviewing them. So that gives right. me like a little extra insight and um, <laughs> questions to grill you with. No, I'm kidding. No grilling. <laughs> but,
2: <laughs>
0: but yeah, it was fun, and um. And obviously, you've been on television before, so I am looking forward to chatting with you about how those two experiences, um, you know, differ.
2: Oh, absolutely! I'm looking forward to telling you about it because it's vastly different.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't you just start by kind of giving people a background? You know, if you've, if any of our listeners have watched the first couple episodes, they know that in the kind of like mid episode, they kind of ask you questions about what led you into your into interior design. And I loved your story because it does sort of um, seem to be a theme among designers. Like they started doing it at an early age, but you had Mm -hmm. a really fabulous story about your parents' addition that I would love for you to share with people because it was incredible.
2: (laughs) It's actually the start of my life career in interiors. So uh, when I was young, Uh, I've always had this great interest in interiors and architecture and design. And so I was the child that was drawing on the back of the church programs, you know, houses. And I remember one time in particular, I drew this huge mansion and I drew this little bitty house next to the mansion. And my mom said, well, who's that house? I said, well, that's where you you and dad will live and I'll live here. So that's always the joke. <laughs> at Thanksgiving. She always says that every single year, but <laughs> I hey, at least you song. wanted to
0: live next door to them. That's a good sign.
2: Yes, yes absolutely. <laughs> so, uh um, we were doing a renovation and that was 12 or 13 at the time on our family home. And my dad uh, knew that I was, you know, greatly into architecture. So he purchased chief home architect and AutoCAD and he sat them on my computer desk and he said, Hey, teach yourself these programs. And I did. So I sat there and I just learned, I just, I made mistakes and i you know, tried it over again. And uh, eventually I was creating 3d renderings. And one of them was of our house and what my parents wanted to do to the house and they showed them, to the family contractor and he asked my dad. he said well what architect did you use to draw these plans in 2d and 3d and my dad said oh my son did these and he's like the 12 year old he could not believe it and so um drew those up for him and that kind of developed into my first mentorship so i would work with this contractor every summer that i was out of school uh, through my high school years, uh, just designing uh, spaces for him. So he allowed me to come onto the job sites and, you know, first it was, you know, nail a hammer and, or hammer a nail rather and, you know, cut with the saw. And then that's how I learned to work with my hands. And that's how I learned the inner and outer workings of a home. And that just developed into my career in uh, design.
0: That is wild. And how <laughs> that's amazing. crazy that your dad bought AutoCAD. I mean, yes. I don't think that would even occur to me. Like, I'd be like, oh, some graph paper will be great, you
2: know? (laughs) Back then, I I didn't know how much of a sacrifice that was. But as I grew older, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, like, these programs are thousands of dollars. Yeah. And I know that my dad had to have done research, which I have not even had that conversation with him to this day. But I know he had to have done research to know what someone would need in order to have a career in design.
0: That's incredible. And especially that he just, yeah, like did whatever he needed to do to like nurture that interest yeah. and talent that you had. Yes. Really. Such incredible yeah, support. That's amazing.
2: Yes. And to this day, I mean, my parents show up for every single thing. I'm thinking, okay, guys, like I'm 34 years old. <laughs> I, I can go to whatever I'm featured in by myself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you invite them, they are having,
2: having it. invite or not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Did you go, did you go to architecture school? Like Where did your your path lead you before, you know, kind of leading up to design school or design star? I'm sorry.
2: uh, I did not actually. I went to school for business and um, I think that's so important. I think a lot of designers kind of miss out on that opportunity because really what we do is 80% business and 20% design. Um, But I also had great mentors, um, Annette Joseph, Erica Ward. You know, photo stylist, and that's an interior. Erica's mm-hmm. an interior designer. Oh,
0: love Erica, yeah.
2: Yes, so she's she has become one of my best friends, and uh, but when I was starting on early, I had their support in showing me, you know, how I am to operate as an interior designer and as a photo stylist. And it's also very important for interior designers to learn photo styling. And if you don't know what that is, you know, it's what what uh, when you flipping through those magazines. You see these homes that have been created by designers, but the photo stylists make it look good for print. They make it look good for commercials, you know, and they make it look good for marketing materials for whatever companies they're designing for or styling for. And so having that hands-on training has allowed me to kind of stand out as a designer uh, in the industry that's so oversaturated. Um, And it's, it's helped me to just develop fully as a designer.
0: The photo styling thing is so interesting too, just because what would look great in a, like in a space maybe that you're walking through or to the mm-hmm. to just the natural eye yes. might look completely off in a photo. Yes. And so, yeah, you're right. Like it is a very unique kind of and different. They might translate. You can kind of look yeah. objectively in the room with styling, but the the photo thing is is different.
2: Yes, and I'll tell you, uh, my. Mentor always said, Look through the camera lens. You know, well, she's kind of old school too. She's like, You know, a lot of new school designers, they like to look at the screen. Look at the screen. You need to look through the lens. When you see it through the lens, it's going to show you what it's going to look like on print. <laughs> so I always look through the lens.
0: <laughs> I, yeah. Um,
2: with the photographer's permission. I was going to say, <laughs> as long as your photographer's with not like, photographers, get away from a ten dollars camera. Yeah. <laughs> always ask. Always ask.
0: <laughs> okay. So you had some great mentors. You went to business school. How did you end up on Design Star? The HGTV show, I think everybody probably yeah. knows what I'm
2: talking about. So what, what is interesting about that is when the original design star was out, I actually auditioned. I had to have been maybe 19 years old, 19 or 20. And I auditioned for the original design star and I was turned down or I should say not turned down, but I was not called back, which <laughs> I guess is, is a denial as well. <laughs> but And I was devastated. I was absolutely devastated, but... I continued my career, forged on, kept working. And one day, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was taking a nap and my phone rang and uh, I got a message. And it was like, you know, hey, this is some production company and we're looking for interior designers. We're scouting interior designers for a new show. And we can't tell you the name of the show. You know, everything's always a secret. So I listened to the message and I thought, this is a spam call. I'm going to ignore it. Then I got an email and uh, (laughs) I was like, okay, maybe this is not a spam situation. So I responded to the email, got the call and uh, it was for Design Star. So I was actually scouted for Design Star. I did not audition this time around, which was very interesting. And it's always why I tell when when I talk to students and things of that nature, I always tell them, you know, just never give up. Just keep working and keep doing your thing, and keep moving forward, and eventually it'll happen. So that's kind of how Design Star happened for me, uh, with the whole being on the show.
1: So, what was your experience like on Design Star?
2: Ooh, well, Design Star, we filmed between twelve and thirteen hours a day. Oh my <laughs> so god! It was an exhausting experience, but it was it was great. Uh, we lived at a resort. That part was very nice. It was right there on the ocean. It was beautiful. Uh, Terranea Resort is the name of it. And uh, we filmed literally a five-minute drive down the road in this beautiful, uh, it was like a vineyard. It was stunning. And um, But outside of that, <laughs> the show was very exhausting. And, you know, every morning you wake up with a camera literally in your face. Uh, but it, it was it was eye-opening. It showed me that I could do a lot more than I thought I could, um, even with just my hands. It kind of took me back to those days when I was working with that contractor when I was 13 years old because we were doing a lot with our hands and building a lot. Of course, there are uh, set assistants and production assistants that help us with that and contractors, but we were doing a lot with our hands and we were outside literally all day until it was time to go back to the resort but it was a um an eye-opening experience and it was fun uh just thinking back on it you know meeting my castmates who we're still all very good friends to this day um and just that whole experience of waking up with you know 20 cameras in your face (laughs) following you around all day and you get used to it.
1: Yeah. And I'm always amazed at how quickly you have to come up with a concept and then just go for it. Like just no, no rethinking, just go for it.
2: So here's the thing. And this is very important as a designer, you have to learn how to pivot, right? You have to be malleable as a designer because I will say maybe 2% of our projects are straightforward and go just as planned of the hundreds of homes that we do. So that's, and that's in the real working world, you know, so we're talking about television show here. You still have to be, you know, you have to make it work. You have to figure it out. Uh, so there are times where we're sitting down, we're going over our plans with the production assistance so that they know what to get us. And uh, sometimes those plans work. Sometimes guess what? This was out of stock. You know, this, we were shooting in the middle of the height of COVID and there were very little appliances available. And we're on kid uh, on the episode four, which is the kitchens episode. So guess what we need? Appliances. (laughs) So, (laughs) So it was crazy that they had to go you know, all out trying to find and, you know, just gather appliances for these episodes so that we would have what we needed. But again, they had to to pivot and be malleable. And we had to do the same when it came to the designs. If, you know, something was out of stock, because of course, during the height of COVID, everything was out of stock. So if we wanted something and we couldn't get that particular thing, guess what? We had to work with what they could get and make it work. So that was a huge part of the show.
0: Do you feel like it like made you trust your instincts more? Just
2: it, it did, actually. So you kind of do that trust fall with yourself, and you have to catch yourself. And a lot of times I know that we can get in our own heads, overthink things, and it just taught me to not overthink things, right? So it, what, what's the saying? It's always better to ask uh, for forgiveness than it is for permission. So you kind of operate in that when it comes to design. And when it comes to um, approaching, you know, the, your, act- your own design. So it's like, look, you came up with this. This was God-given talent. So trust it, fall into it, and just do it. You know, you, you got a 50-50 chance. Either the person's going to love it or the person's going to hate it. And most times they love it.
0: Was there ever something that you did on the show where you were like, oh, this is a bad idea? I'm not happy with how this turned out. Oh my
2: gosh. So there, I don't know what episode, it's either episode two or three. I think it's episode two. And we had to create a transformative piece. And I'm thinking, what can I, so the room actually had to transform. It had to to function as as something early in the day and then like a party space at night. And so uh, I created this, drafting table uh, and I created the story of this person's an architect during the day they're drafting on their drafting table and in the evening they're relaxing in their cocktail room and it's a coffee table horrible idea like my drafting table looked like a piano <laughs> when you when you like flipped it up it looked like a piano and I think Jonathan Adler called it a coffin <laughs> <laughs> which I actually got a kick out of it because when I was making it like the idea in my head, I was thinking, Oh, this is going to be great. It'll be a drafting table, you know, but again, like things didn't work out with materials because things were out of stock and I stood by my design. (laughs) So I sat there and I defended that coffin to the end (laughs) (laughs) and I made it to the next round. So that was, that was a good part of that episode. (laughs)
0: Oh my God, a coffin coffee table.
2: Right. Mm. <laughs> I thought that was gonna be the death of me on the show.
0: <laughs> so what so okay, you do the show. I'm sure there's like sort of a period after you finish the show before it airs. Yes. What did that time look like? And then how what was it like after the show aired? How did it change kind of your your business and your design?
2: Yeah. So I'll start with that period, like right after the show, right? The show's over. You're not waking up daily to cameras in your face. You're kind of going back into real life, the real world and, you know, everyday life. And so you kind of get back into the groove of things. For me, I was going right back to work. So we, I flew from California back home to Atlanta uh, I really missed my dog. You never know how much you miss your pets until you're away from them. And so uh got back acclimated with my everyday life and kind of jumped right back into work. So I didn't have a lot of time to just sit and think, wow, I just flew across, across the country, lived there for three months, filmed a television show, and now I'm back. I just kind of got back and got back to work. And then in my quiet time, I'm thinking, you just filmed a television show. (laughs) like That is crazy. And so, uh, and everything happened kind of fast after they, you know, gave me the green light, everything just happened really fast. But um, when I got back, got back to work, and then the show aired. Now, when the show aired, I didn't think that, you know, things would change much in my work life and personal life and things like that. But it wasn't until I started getting noticed like out at like the store and stuff like that, that was like, wow, so people actually do watch TV. (laughs) So that was very, it was very interesting. Um, I mean, I'm used to like in local spaces, right? Getting recognized as like, as like far as uh, Instagram is concerned, because, you know, I do have a decent following. And so I know that people in Atlanta may, you know, uh, kind of spot me. out, like, Hey, aren't you the guy from Instagram? But when, uh, you hear people saying, Hey, I know you from TV. It's like, it kind of hits differently. Yeah. It's Um, a whole other level. It's a different level, but it's also like, it's super humbling. It's like, wow, you actually watch me and know my name and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, wow, you know, it's nice to know that people support what you're doing, uh, and your grit and grind on television. So I think it was when I I flew to like Vegas or something like that. And this girl at the airport was like, hey, I know you from Design Star Next Gen. And I was like, oh, thanks. <laughs> was so cool.
0: I also just uh, um have to, like, you sort of, like just threw this in. I didn't realize it was three months yes. of 12-hour days.
2: Yes, yes. How is so, that even like? So we have like, we had like two days off, And I say off, but they weren't really off. It was like we would just film for an hour and they were like our testimonials, you know, where you're just kind of sitting in a room and telling your story and the things you would have done differently, okay. that kind of thing. Um, But yeah, it was, it was a lot. Uh, and I know there were times where we were frustrated as castmates because we were tired and not realizing that we were still mic'd. And so <laughs> producers are like, Mm-mm. You guys <laughs> might want to be quiet. We're like, oh,
0: oops. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. That show actually opened a lot of doors as far as the influencer realm is concerned. Because then brands started to knock at the door and say, "Hey, we have this, and we would love for you to, you know, promote it on your social media." And so I started to to do a lot of uh, brand influencer. Um, campaigns, which was really awesome because they gave me complete and total freedom in doing whatever it is that I wanted to film and produce, and uh, with my style and my take on it. So it was really fun to get into that space and to to just have a good time with it. And I could invite my friends to be a part of it. Like we have so many different campaigns where I've done. I've done um, Amazon, Lowe's. Um, different uh liqueur brands. It, it's just been really fun. And so I'm able to have that kind of freedom in artistry uh with the influencer realm.
0: So okay. What did you what about your cause I know that you're an artist because there were a couple pieces um yes. from your collection in the home on that we that we toured on design school. Um yes. and you're also a furniture designer. So were those Partnerships, things that you had before Design Star or did those come about kind of after the show?
2: So the furniture line was I think the furniture line was already in the works uh, before before Design Star. But the funny thing about that is is I kind of not kind of I walk by faith and not by sight. So a lot of the things that I do, I'll be given the vision and I'll just kind of do it. And then sit it to the side until it happens, until it comes into fruition. So when it came to the furniture line, I had already had a full line of furniture designed. Um, The schematics, everything in this huge binder that you could flip through and look at all the different designs. And I put it away in my closet. And one day I got the call from Ta Furniture. I used them a lot. And they said, hey, um, where do you want to do this furniture line with African-American designers. And we want to know if you would be, like to be a part of that. We'll give you some time to design your furniture pieces. And I'm like, oh, no, here it is right here. You want to design it?
0: Boom. <laughs> oh, wait, I can, I can send you the PDF right now. <laughs> right yeah. Here.
2: So uh, And that's what I did. I sent that over to them and they went through and selected the pieces that they wanted and I was able to name them. And I named all of my pieces after my family members. And my dog, of course. And so, um, because I, I really, I'm a huge on family. I'm huge on friends. And so with the furniture line, all of those pieces are named after family members. And then with the art collection that I have with Left Bank, um, all of my friends name those pieces. So um, it's really fun to do it that way. And I feel like it's something that I'm able to honor for life. And it's also something that my support system can also feel as if they are a part of it because they've supported me for so long. Uh, So it's really fun to do that. But when it comes to the furniture, I'm sorry, when it comes to the art line, um, that came about just because of relationships. And I always preach that. It's just build great relationships with people because you never know what they can turn into or what they may develop into. And so I've worked a lot with Left Bank over the years. I've used their pieces in my projects and I always tag them. I'm always talking to the showroom managers and the showroom employees. And so that relationship over the course of what, 10 years has developed. into, you know, they're like my second family. So I've talked to them all the time. And one day I just walked in and I told the showroom manager, I was like, you know what? I think I would love to have a line with Left Bank Art. And she jumps up and she's like, "You know what? I was saying that. I was saying that you should have a line with them." And she just made one email, and it just so happens that um, the executive team at Left Bank reached out to me via that connection, and we met at high, I met with the executive team at High Point. And by the time that I left that meeting, they had already sent me my licensing agreement. So, we got started right away.
0: That is wild, wow. Yes,
2: yes, so we got started right away, and at, I believe it was Fall Market, it was either Fall or Spring Market, High Point, my first collection came out with them.
0: Okay, you said something in the show, um, in one of your like one-on-one interviews, that was, you were kind of like saying that it was your life's work, and, You were just like so passionate about design and i feel like this just comes out of your pores and like (laughs) like with the furniture design you're like i just like had to design this furniture and i just had to be in my mind i did it and then just like waited and then it it all kind of you it's like you manifested it but you also just couldn't you know you're just so creative and and i love that it's so It's such a unique quality, I think, because most people would probably doubt themselves or, you know, kind of be like, oh, like, I'll wait and see if it ever happens. You're like, no, I'm going to do it just for the exercise of doing it. And then if something happens.
2: Fine. And if it doesn't, what do you lose? You know, so and I've always kind of operated that way. And I had to check myself. I think it was last year, early last year. I had to check myself because I started to become fearful of things when it came to my professional career. And I'm thinking, this is not you. Like, let's have a sit down with ourselves real quick. (laughs) This is not who you are. You've never been afraid to just step out there and to do things. I think it was when this influencer thing came along because it was new to me. And naturally, as human beings, we are oftentimes afraid of what's new. There's a friend of mine who always says, you know, never say no to new opportunities. And no matter what they are, because you never know where they may lead you, and so I I just said yes to it, and that's how that started to develop. And you know, brand after brand after brand, and and now I have a whole list. So it's it's just I've always operated that way. And even when I started this business, I was what nineteen or twenty or something like that. It was very young, and so when you're young, you know, it's like kids; they're not afraid of anything. So I wasn't afraid of anything when I started. But as I got older, I became a little bit more cautious, but that sit down with myself was like, hey, let's take this back to the early 2000s and where we started and, you know, not saying no to opportunities. And so I kind of live by that. And when I feel myself getting fearful. I kind of check myself again. So <laughs> it's it's nice to check in with yourself. Sometimes sometimes you got to check yourself.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, when you're young, it's like you don't have as much to lose. So right. the risk isn't right. quite as high. Um, yes, absolutely. Well, okay. You have the, the influencer element. You've got your collections. You have your design business.
2: For me, it's, I've always wanted to have uh, just multiple streams of income. And honestly, point of sale is kind of my dream. It's like go to sleep, make money while people are shopping, while you're sleeping, and you know uh, being able to promote um, but promote my products. But the big thing for me has always been like legacy. I want to when I'm far too old to do design work, I still want to be in the realm of home because I feel like it's my life's work. So whether you were sleeping on Justin Q. Williams sheets or comforters or pillows or, you know, throws, maybe you're eating with the Justin Q. Williams collection silverware and flatware, you know, so things like that. Like, I just want to, uh, have, I want to encompass every aspect of home and, uh, comfort and love and Southern hospitality. Like that's, that's been my thing with my life. And so I feel like when you're in the, um, the home sector, it's all about, um, warmth and hospitality and, you know, making people feel good. And that's kind of been my life's work is elevating lifestyles. And so that's like really an important thing for me
0: what have you been up to the last couple of years um in terms of your design work like your interior design do you do mostly um you know stuff in in atlanta are you doing mostly residential do you do any commercial like what does your design business look like from that you know just like your core kind of design yeah
2: like my thing So my thing is residential interior design. Like that's where I thrive. That's where I flourish. I feel like that's where I'm also most comfortable. But remember what we talked about. It's just not, you know, not saying no to new opportunities. And recently, uh, I've designed three homes for a client and she's a restaurateur. And so she says, hey, my restaurant needs a facelift and I really like for you to do it. New opportunity, opportunity, not going to say no. So ended up doing that. Her restaurant was then featured on this huge uh, blog, food blog, and everyone's commenting, oh, I love the new renovations, love the new renovations. So, you know, it's something that I enjoyed doing. It was fun. Of course, she just kind of gave me the uh, creative control over that project. And it turned out great. Uh, We kind of brought a little of Tulum to Atlanta. So it was just really fun. Uh, We played with a lot of neon signs and, you know, large uh, floral print wallpapers and basket weave lighting. It was just really a fun project. So that's something that I may just dabble into because I have said no to commercial projects before, Uh, but that one we really enjoyed ourselves on. So it kind of opened the door to me, saying yes to more um, commercial projects—that
1: sounds so fun. I, it sounds like you could really just unleash in a yes. in a restaurant environment versus like a residential home where someone wants
2: absolutely. You you, know, you can kind of go a little crazy there, you know.
0: <laughs> I was it was it challenging though because I I we did we had a, a restaurant designer on a few years ago and there were so many things that I would have never considered like you know. The scale is different, and the we're scale is different. The materials,
2: the, the materials. Um, materials. Yeah. Space yes.
0: planning is very, very crucial because, like, that's how that's how much money they're going to make. Like, mm-hmm. how many tables you, they can fit, and
2: sustainability as as far as the furnishings are um, concerned, you have to use commercial furniture, commercial fur- grade furniture. Um, and again, what you were saying, seating—you know—how much money they're going to make uh, is all dictated by that. So that's why I decided to go with a communal seating. And um, the way that I made that make sense is we use this huge neon sign and it was like eat with strangers, laugh with strangers, talk to strangers, leave as friends. So that kind of makes the whole communal seating uh, make sense. And, you know, so they kind of operate by that that motto. And so when you're working also with commercial design, you want to work with the staff. Because for me, it's always, whether it's commercial or it's residential, it's always function first, fashion later. It's easy to create a a beautiful space. That's the easy part. It's much more difficult to make a functional space. So we were working with the staff. You know, how large does the window need to be to, you know, exchange the food from the kitchen to the floor? You know, uh, what materials work best for wiping down grease that splashes everywhere? What kind of floor do you need in order to make sure that people aren't slipping all over the place? So things like that behind the bar, how many spaces do we need for the alcohol to, you know, be able to be stored properly? And as far as cleaning, you know, what do we need for that? We need backsplash so that things don't, you know, spill and get on the wallpaper that's on the wall at this bar. So, you know, things like that, it's always the details. And it's really the same with, you know, the home. Do you have pets? Do you have kids? Because, you know, we need to know what kind of fabrics that we're going to use on your sofa. You know, so uh, things like that, it's super important.
0: I mean, yes, but I feel like in a restaurant, like my kids make a mess, but like (laughs) there aren't like... 50 of them
2: exactly in there exactly. at any time hopefully yes. um yes so
0: i feel like the, i don't know i just it blows my mind trying to even think of all the complications you run into designing a restaurant yeah. just for that very purpose but it sounds yeah. you know it sounds like you got to have a lot of fun with the the decorative elements so
2: yes and so now she wants me to work on her uh, second location so that's what we're doing right now wow
0: well i guess maybe once you kind of like get your groove within the restaurant it probably gets you know it's yeah and so well the good thing
2: about this is that it's the same brand so what we're doing is just creating a library of what we put in the first location and we're going to copy and paste that in the second location and maybe just change up the layout a little bit
0: yeah well that's really cool yeah can you mention what the restaurant is in case anybody in atlanta wants to go
2: for sure it's called blue cantina they have two locations with a possible third. So keep your eye open for that.
0: <laughs> awesome. I'm going to have to check that out.
2: Absolutely.
0: Okay. So let's talk about design school. Yes. I, I hope people, we've talked about the show a little bit. Uh, we talked about design school a little bit on this show, but um, for anyone who maybe hasn't watched it yet or didn't listen to those episodes... It's very different from Design Star. It's not a makeover show. Right. So we toured one of one of Justin's clients' homes, a, a home he had not even shown his clients yet. Like they right. hadn't even gotten to see it. <laughs> and you walk us through the space, tell us like how you made the decisions you made. Then we go back to the Ballard Design Store, we answer some questions, we shop around. How did the experience of making does this one singular episode of Design School differ from Design Star? when you spent three months
2: oh my goodness they're not even I mean, related i bet it was it was so different it was a very chill everybody like the whole crew was great and a funny thing is that one of the crew members was so actually right, jamala. yes jamala she was a producer on design star next gen and had absolutely no idea that i would be on design school so that was funny, and it was so good to see her again and work with her again. She was one of my favorite producers on uh, Design Star oh Next she's Gen. Great. Yeah. Yes, so it was so much fun to work with her on Design School and Design School. I mean, like the entire crew was amazing. It was fun, and as far as the design process with this particular client, they are super busy. One is a doctor, the other is a restaurateur, and I work with a lot of restaurant people, <laughs> but. <laughs> I just noticed that, but they pretty much let me do whatever I wanted to do in the house. I presented to them, and they were like, "Yeah, this looks great, perfect. Let's go with it." Uh, and so, I was, the best a, kind of okay, clients. This is great, the absolute best kind of clients. And I will tell you, you will always get a better result when you just let the designer do what you hired them to do, and that's exactly what they did, and that's how we came up with this um, just beautiful space, and it a fit their lifestyle and also still creates a warm and welcoming space.
0: Liz, what did you think of the episode since you just kind of got to see it with fresh eyes? I thought it
1: it okay, so it's such a beautiful space and I thought that it was so amazing what you were able to do with the interiors because the the exterior of the home is is you know very it's a condo and but like the in, you walk in and it's just so remarkable.
2: Thank you. Uh, yeah, so I always try to fit the style of the home, um, the home exterior. So this particular place, it's a transitional uh, townhome, and I wanted to make sure that the design um, kind of just flowed from the moment you are at the front door throughout the entire space. So a big thing with all of my design work is lighting. I love to play with the scale of lighting. I love to play with just different shapes of lights and different textures with lights. Like it's one of my favorite, um, my absolute favorite parts of designing. And uh, we focused heavily on lights here. You'll see oversized lights in small spaces, which I like to play with scale like that because it it makes it a bit more dramatic. You know, you'll see a lot of that in in this particular space. But colors and textures, you'll find textured wallpapers and things like that. I don't want to give too much of the show away because you'll have to watch it to see just what I'm talking about. But as soon as you see it, you'll know exactly what I mean with everything that I'm saying.
0: Okay. I could not agree more with lighting. I mean, I think that anyone who's listened to our show knows that nearly every designer talks about lighting because yes. it's so important, but I, I do feel like it is a very underrated design element that the, the lay person, not the designer yes. because they know, but like the, the right. lay person decorating their own home doesn't consider. And it's odd to me because that's probably one of the few things that you're going to choose that like, isn't going to get damaged like it's not right it's not gonna have a lot of wear and tear
2: it's it's almost a permanent fixture
0: right and so it's like you know. this is somewhere you can splurge and not worry that you know that something's gonna happen to, exactly mm-hmm. i mean not that you have to splurge there's lots of great lighting options at every price point but even or even just take a risk you know do yeah. something a little out of the box because it makes such a huge difference and it's it's up and away from. Right. From kids, from pets, from friends who might be drinking wine, you know.
2: Yeah. And not to plug Ballard, but to plug Ballard. (laughs) Uh, um, There's this beautiful chandelier that I have in the foyer of that home. And when you see it, you'll know it's just breathtaking. And Ballard designs, uh, that's one of their pieces. And it's, it's really amazing. And it fit the space perfectly.
0: It did. I love that chandelier and have oh i'm always like where can i put this yeah
2: like a, yeah it's like you I don't want really to have find a sp- the space for it
0: exactly um, <laughs> yeah it's like an acrylic chandelier it, look, it looked great mm-hmm. there too yeah
2: yeah and the, but really i great.
0: absolutely loved the lighting that you used over the islands and then sort of like co- a coordinating chandelier over the dining table
2: Yeah. so i went with uh the smaller version over the island which they have a huge island So I wanted to make sure that I dressed it properly with appropriate lighting. And then I used the larger version over the dining space. But a little one of my tricks out of the toolkit is using accent chairs as the head chairs for the dining table, which you'll see uh, in that space.
0: That was genius. Okay, wait, I've never, literally (laughs) never considered doing that. Yes. So it's like taking a living room chair Mm -hmm. accent chair is what you're talking and using that as a head chair like that actually blew my mind
2: the thing that that you want to pay attention to is always just the seat height just make sure that the seat height is comparable to the side chairs at the at the dining table and as long as those heights are the same you can use whatever chair you want to
0: okay but what about the pitch because i would think that like a living room chair like you probably want to sit back a little more than a dining chair
2: yeah, so you don't want to use like a lounge chair. <laughs> you don't want to have a lounge chair at the at the head of your dining table, but it's totally okay to have, you know, a moderate-sized accent chair as your head chair, as long as that seat height and the seat seat depth are comparable to the uh, side chairs that you use at your dining table. Okay. That's I one guess of my I've little seen, tricks.
0: Yeah, I guess I have seen like wingbacks or something like that, mm-hmm. where it that- it's a little bit more common. Yeah. Like a like a living room wing bag just pulled up. Yeah, yeah. that I and I loved I love that chair that you used. And yeah, it just looked great and was so comfortable, obviously. Yes. And looked fabulous in the space.
2: Um, Thank you.
0: Okay. Tell people a little bit about we talk a lot about this on the show your episode of the show like customizing a like liz said like you this this townhouse that you did for your clients was one of many like there were yeah. a lot it was you know it was a planned community so there were a lot of very similar ones all next door yeah. what are your kind of thoughts on outside of lighting <laughs> customizing mm-hmm. a space that maybe a builder has done for you or has done many many times and you're sort of customizing it for your own
2: yeah. family so what's funny is that we Not only did we do that townhome, but there's also one across the street that I think I told you guys about that we did as well. And in these spaces, it's really my number one priority to make this this particular space different from your neighbors. How is it going to be different from your neighbors, right? And so when they were building, I told them not to go with the builder's upgrade of backsplash because we could handle that. And so when we came in, and you may not even notice, and if you don't notice, that's a huge compliment because it's made to look as if the builder did it. But we came in and we handled the backsplash. We did this beautiful herringbone uh, pattern for their backsplash and ran that up the wall. So that's one thing that you can do to differentiate yourself from your neighbor's space. Another is wall coverings. So any kind of wallpaper, anything that's textural, things of that nature. uh, And you don't have to do the entire room. You could just have one feature wall. That's something that you can do to differentiate yourself from your neighbors. Also, I try to stay away from blinds. I know that it's a personal preference. Uh, a lot of people use blinds because they're easy. A lot of people use them for privacy purposes. But I love using drapery and being able to, you know, just draw the drapes and having just the white liner behind. Because that's something that you're gonna notice from the exterior. It's just always a cleaner look when there's just drapery instead of drapes and blinds. I'm not sure if this home in particular has both, but um, it's something that I, I like to stay away from unless it's something that the clients just absolutely they are like, no, I need blinds. Um, but that's something also that you can focus on to differentiate yourself from your neighbors.
0: That's smart. The wallpaper thing, I think, is so key, especially in a townhome because mm-hmm. there's so much drywall in a townhome just because, yes. you know, you've got solid walls on your sides because yep. you're not, yep. you know, it's, it, it's always like a row house kind of yeah. setup. Yeah. And so you just have so much more drywall than in other than a normal, like single family House, you could, home. Yeah. Where you you have don't windows. have windows
2: on either side. Exactly.
0: And yeah. so the, the, the wallpaper I felt like made such a difference, even yes. just breaking up the different rooms and sort of defining them a little bit.
2: That's right. Because it does create a sense of separation from the kitchen, even though it's open to the kitchen and being able to find a clean break to put wallpaper just in that space that defines the family, the family room. Um, all while tying in the overall look together. And then there are uh, pieces throughout that home from my personal art collection, which helps to carry those colors throughout and makes it special. And those are things that I like to focus on in making spaces different from other spaces, especially in communal living spaces like that.
0: OK, what I imagine this is probably a huge challenge for townhomes, light, like natural light, because you've only got those two. How do you make it to where a, you've got enough and B, you don't have any like of that darkness in the middle where you're not near a window?
2: Yeah. So, um, again, with lighting, you know, that's a huge part of it. Um, but also you want to just be careful of which colors that you use. If you don't intend on having a dark and moody space, make sure you're not using dark and moody colors. So in that space in particular, you'll notice that we're using a lot of creams, a lot of taupes, sagey type colors uh, that will allude to brighter spaces. And so when you're doing that, you're making sure that we're not losing light in furniture because furniture does absorb a lot of light if you're using darker colors. So making sure that you're using lighter colors. And if you have a fear of things getting dirty, just use performance fabrics.
0: Okay. There was one part of the house that you used dark and moody colors.
2: I did. (laughs) (laughs) I did. I
0: feel like you have to kind of give people a little, it's not going to be as good as seeing the actual show and seeing the room, but you you need to to give them a little little teaser.
2: Yes. So uh, the goal for this room, again, It's all about what your intention is. And my intention and the goal for that room is these people worked a lot. When they come home to this room, it needs to give them a great big hug and rock them to sleep. So we went with this deep and moody color on the walls, dark color for the bed. We lightened it up a little bit with the bedding. Yeah, this was, I,
0: this was like the primary suite.
2: Yes, yes. In the primary suite, it was just dark and moody. And we played with a lot of texture in there uh, just so that it would give you that sophisticated look. We have the pattern that we have on the drapery repeated on the wallpaper, um, but we didn't do full walls of wallpaper. I literally trimmed pieces of this wall to accent on either side of the bed. I don't want to give too much of it away, but... I mean, the room turned out beautifully, and we reflected that wallpaper into the bathroom to kind of customize that a bit more. Another way that you can uh, kind of make your space different from your neighbors is taking out those builder grade mirrors and replacing them and replacing the builder grade lighting um, and tossing some wallpaper on those walls. I mean, it changes the game completely
0: yeah that bathroom was so stylish and <laughs> and unique yeah yes okay I, th- I think that the idea of the dark and moody bedroom is so smart also for a townhome because you know in the downstairs of this townhome it was like open concept so you yeah. at least had light on both sides that yeah. would kind of penetrate into the middle whereas mm-hmm. in the the primary suite upstairs you really only had one wall with with windows. windows yeah so it's not like you could have even had i don't think you could have even had a bright and sort of airy feel even if you had done light colors. so the moody thing was yeah. really smart
2: yeah so definitely intentional
0: mm-hmm. and you had another incredible light fixture in that room too yes but i
2: feel
0: beautiful. like this you're i feel like this episode is perfect for anyone that does have a townhome or like a row house situation oh
2: yeah you for know, sure
0: that Yeah, because that would be hard. That would be a really hard space to work with.
2: And this is a good, this particular house is a good footprint for what uh, you should do when you have a townhome. And if you're thinking about layout, and how this space is going to function. And um, yeah, this is a this one shows you a good layout, good function, functionality for the space. So This is definitely the episode to watch if you have a townhome.
0: So, okay. And I remember when we were recording, there was this great room upstairs. It was like a third floor or fourth floor. Uh,
2: One, two, three, four.
0: Fourth floor. Yeah. Um, And it was was like a rooftop terrace. And I remember you saying that you were about to start working on it. Have you finished that space up there?
2: So ironically, my client messaged me And he's like, hey, I think I'll be ready in a month. So in a month, I guess we'll start working on it. Uh, But it's such a great space because they have city views. They have a front and back terrace along with the media room Mm -hmm. in the center with the bathroom there. So, you know, it's just really an awesome space. And also the way that the builder utilized the space to observe the views of Atlanta was really brilliant, in my Mm -hmm. opinion.
0: Yeah, I I. We saw it in like on the dreariest day ever in January. So I bet it's really nice in the spring and summer. Absolutely,
2: absolutely.
0: Okay, well, we do have a decorating dilemma. Okay, so I'll read the dilemma. We have a question from Gloria. I'll read it and Justin, you are gonna take it away okay she says hi ballard team love your podcast listen to it, and i listen to it while i work on projects around the house i'm hoping you can help me solve a new dilemma we've recently made the decision to purchase a new mattress our old house was much smaller than our current one we've always had a queen-size bed my husband was really excited to use the new mattress as a reason to get a Bigger bed overall, so now we need to change everything. Oh, gosh. Yeah, good. Have fun with the king bed, though. It's a good upgrade. Um My struggle is primarily with the lamps and the bedside tables, but the art looks a little off now, too. The wall is 112 inches long. The bed is 82 inches. I have about 14 inches of space on either side. The bed needs to go on this wall due to an odd old chimney bump out, vents, and window placement. I found some great finished lamps, but they're also too big. I'm assuming I need to find sconces, but what's the right scale? Any ideas on what kind of table could work? I'm afraid a small table won't have the height it needs next to the bed. Is there a way to balance out the scale at all? Anything you can think of that will help the space feel finished and balanced? Thanks so much in advance. Gloria.
2: Hey, Gloria. Happy to help you with this dilemma. So I think what happens is oftentimes we don't pay attention to those sides of the bed. We're always like, oh, I have to fill this wall space above the bed. Well, look, in this case, uh, we have this bump out and architecture is always fighting against us. And that's okay. We're just going to fight back. So what I think Gloria should do is focus on the sides of the bed, whether it's adding mirrors or whether it's adding art to draw our eye up because the room isn't humongous. Let's make it feel bigger in that sense. And then over the bed, do something sweet. Do something that's special. Maybe like a juju hat, something that's really textural. Uh, Adding something over the bed there to complement either the art or the mirrors on both sides of the bed will help to balance that entire wall. But also, she says something about the table lamp being too big. Here's the thing. I like to play with scale. I was going to
0: say, is there such a thing?
2: There's not There's not such a thing as having two large of uh, bedside lamps. I like to play with scale. Now, in her case, what I would do is I would probably switch which lamp is on which table because I feel like the other pairs better with the side table that she has on the left side. I feel like the one that's on the left side would pair better with the side table that's on the right side. So i probably start there. And then also with your accessories. So on bedside, think about things that you use. Remember, fashion is second, function is first. So if you take your jewelry off at night, put a sweet little box there that's a nice decorative jewelry box on the side of the bed. If you like to watch television at night, put a nice little tray there that could host your remote control and things of that nature. So think about things like that will function as well as serve a fashionable piece for your bedroom. But I think what needs to happen here to help balance that space is to focus on those voided areas on the left and right side of the bed, because we have this huge picture over the bed, but on the left and right, we just have nothing but wall space. So maybe we focus on those sides first, put something that's special to you in the center, and then everything else will fall into place.
0: Yeah, I I feel like the there is no such thing as too big of a lamp. I mean, unless it Not literally cannot fit on your right. on your table. <laughs> on your
2: knife, in, yeah.
0: But also, okay, one thing that I did recently that made a really big difference was changing the lampshade. And so i mm-hmm. I ended up get I ended up having to get like kind of a taller, skinnier lampshade. It was very like kind of mod. But yeah. if you do have a big lamp and it has a very wide lampshade, that might kind of Create some it issues. makes it. It makes
2: it appear bigger.
0: Yeah, and like you can't, t- you can't push it as close to the wall, right? Because it's exactly. like So maybe something like elongated or taller or something. I think you're like, the lampshade basically could change the footprint a little bit.
2: For sure. and for that, sure.
0: That could help, and if you did something tall and dramatic, um, it would take up a little bit of room.
2: Yeah. Um, I don't and, know if it would work another- for the ones she has, but. Yeah. And another thing, too, that a lot of people are afraid of is layering.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, I had a client ask a question, well, well I don't want to have the lamp in front of the mirror. Why not? <laughs> Put the lamp in front of the mirror. You know, layering is a good thing. It always makes the, the room feel full. Uh, and also, I just feel like it just helps to curate a space a lot a lot better than yeah. to 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 not have those layers in there and those moments of comfort and you know, things like that. So I think layering is a is a great thing for a space like that.
0: Can I also just say that I think Gloria's room is, looks great. I love her wall color. Yes. wall it's color is really so nice. good.
2: I was just thinking that because green will. I'm partial to green because it's my favorite color. But yeah. It's Gloria, kind of like a deep
0: olive
2: looking. Yeah. Gloria's almost there with her room. And
0: I love that. She, she nailed the bed. I think the bed is hard. I always have the biggest trouble with like the linens and the pillows and the.
2: Oh, yeah. She
0: nailed that. Love it.
2: Yes. And I actually see that she does have a nice little box sitting there on the bedside table.
1: It's really, Mm -hmm. it's really lovely. I have a question since you were talking about lampshades. Yeah. Since she's got two different lamps, what if she got the same lampshade? Is that weird? Just to kind of create some sort of symmetry?
2: Not at all. I think that first, the fact that she does have two different lamps is so special to me. I love that because I like for things to feel more collected than like a set. So good job, Gloria. Um, but if she had the same lampshade, it would help with uh, just making it seem a little little bit more uniform in that space.
1: I think it might be fun with like some like black rectangular shades or something like that that might
0: be or really like fun. something pleated and like jewel toned yeah. or something
2: add a little bit a little bit more, more texture drama there mm-hmm.
0: i loved your idea about the the juju hat or something round over the headboard yeah. mm-hmm. i always yeah. love that over a headboard especially because your bed is always like lots of squares you know it's everything
2: like, is so square yeah the room is square yeah. the bed is square the pillows you know pillows frames all of those things are square break it up a little bit by Adding something round, adding something with some texture to it uh, always helps to soften a space as well.
1: I'm really liking Gloria's room. It's really, I can't wait to see, like, it's just the finishing touches right now. Yeah, Yeah. that's
2: it. That's it. Gloria's almost there.
0: Like, she's got a great, like, faux fur blanket on the end of the bed. Like, she has, yeah.
2: Details. Gloria's paying attention to the details here.
0: (laughs) Excellent job. I, I seriously really like this wall color. I want her to send it a, send me the name of it.
2: <laughs> I, I love it. I actually just sourced something very similar, maybe the same color yesterday. So yeah.
0: All right, well good luck Gloria. You are like 90% there. Let us know what the wall color is and um anything else Justin before we wrap up?
2: No, I think I think we've talked to about everything
0: <laughs> okay we've covered a lot of ground we have we, we have, have. <laughs> okay well okay i hope everyone will go watch your episode of design school you are yes. the, you are the finale i think you're awesome. the last episode um awesome. and it's a good one so i don't want anyone to miss it and then if, tell everyone where they can find you and follow you and see yes. your work
2: so you can follow me on all social media platforms at Justin Q Williams and uh our website is com.
0: awesome well thank you so much for joining us i loved getting to hang out with you recording the show i hope we get to do it again or see Me each other too. again or
2: this was fun this i was loved fun.
0: i loved your space you did such a great job with it and thank and you're you just fun to hang out with too
2: thank you you guys are as well